Welcome to it and happy, glorious, beautiful Thursday to you. It's the 16th day of February 2023. I almost said 2022. I know, I know. I'm Derek Hunter. This is the Derek Hunter Podcast. Appreciate you downloading, sharing, telling a friend. Appreciate you going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast and or patreon.com or wait, no, or DerekHunter.locals.com and supporting the program. Every little bit helps and holy cow. It could help. I could use something with some memory today. What is that stuff that they... uh, I can't even remember the stuff that they tell you to take for your memory. Anyway, action-packed program. So let's get to it. Lots going on. I want to start off with inflation. Yesterday, we got some new inflation numbers. And they're not good, but they are being spun. And you've got to give credit to Democrats. Holy cow, they are not a group of people who are at all interested in being bound by the constraints of reality. You've got to admire that. They they go after their version of, well, I mean, if you can look straight at a dude and go, what a beautiful woman you are. You can totally get pregnant. Then you know how delusional these people can pretend to be. I don't believe for a second that they look at a dude and go, yeah, you know, I don't believe Nancy Pelosi suddenly goes, you know what, my 80 years to this point of, of 82 years, or 81 years and six months of knowing what a woman is and having been one is now up in the air. It's a guessing game. Could be anybody's uh, idea. It's a coin toss, really. I don't believe that for a second. I think they can get one political inch out of it, and that's all they give a damn about. That's it. Nothing else matters to the left. So this is how they roll. So when you look at the inflation numbers, they're trying to spin them. And it's really amazing how they do it. They take the worst of the inflation numbers and say they're better. The current numbers are better than the worst numbers. Well, that's a hell of a unit of measure right there. That's a really, if that's what you're going by, hey, you know what? It's the, the We're in uh, horrible financial shape, honey, but we're in better financial shape than we were just a month ago because I found that quarter on the subway yesterday. Oh, well, <laughs> let's go to the steakhouse for dinner then. I mean, come on. That's how they're looking at it. That's how they're spinning it. That's not how they're really looking at it. They recognize that, they can only fool even their dumbest of supporters for so long. Sooner or later, even the people are going, God, Democrats and Joe Biden are doing a bang-up job on the economy, are going to go, $7 for a carton of eggs seems like a bit much. It seems like a bit much. So eventually, eventually they recognize that there will have to be a reckoning Although, weirdly, let me find this story here. There it is. They've got a sort of solution for that, too, when you come to the realization that, hey, we're, we're almost approaching $12 a, 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 for a carton of eggs. That's a dollar per egg. That, that makes my grand slam moons over my hammy or whatever the hell you're eating at Denny's a, uh, a bit more expensive. Well, they, they've got a solution for it. The uh, Wall Street Journal today, headline, to save money, maybe you should skip breakfast. Hey, there you go. The most, how, my whole lifetime is in, it's the most important meal of the day. 
It's the most important meal of the day. You start your day off right with a hearty breakfast. And I always loved it as a kid looking at the side of the cereal box. Like, this sugary uh, nugget cereal, all it was is like sugar nuggets and, and marshmallows, which are different form of sugar, is part of a balanced breakfast. And you look at the balanced breakfast and you got, like, there's your bowl of, of sugar. And then you got orange juice, which is more sugar. Then you've got toast and butter. Then you've got eggs. Then you've got bacon or sausage or both sometimes. You're like, what the? It's part of a balanced breakfast. Good Lord, I'm not a lumberjack. Like, if you have to eat all that stuff, I'll just chew a Flintstone vitamin. But anyway, the most important meal of the day is what we were told. Now, a few years ago, they sort of said, eh, it's a good meal. It's one of the top three meals of the day, but it's not the most important probably because they were worried that lunch's self-esteem was going into the toilet. But that's beside the point. They tried to change it. But still, breakfast, you wake up, depending on when you ate dinner, you can wake up pretty hungry and you go, you know what, I need to start my day, i got to eat something. Well, the Wall Street Journal solution is uh, don't. Several breakfast staples saw sharp price increases due to a perfect storm of bad weather and disease outbreaks and continued effects from Russia's invasion of Ukraine. It's just a mishmash of probably every White House press release in the last six months. They just throw it into there. It's everybody's fault except for the fact that Joe Biden printed up $2 trillion just for the hell of it so he could reward his friends. They ignore that completely. No, no, no. It's inflation is because of Ukraine. Gas prices are Ukraine. Remember, gas prices were Ukraine's fault before Ukraine was invaded. Then gas prices really became Putin's fault for the invasion of Ukraine. Then gas prices went down. And that was all because of Joe Biden's leadership and courage. Oh, wow. It was one, and then gas prices went back up. And they said, oh, well, Ukraine reared its ugly head again. What, did Russia reinvade? Did Russia pull out and then go, let's go back in? Let's really screw with everybody? No. They're just lying. They're just, I mean, there's no other way to put it. Story continues. Wall Street Journal. Egg prices increased 8.5% in January from a month earlier and are up 70.1% over the past year, the highest annual rate since 1973. Huh. The deadliest uh, avian influenza outbreak on record has devastated, devastated poultry flocks across the U.S., leading the price of eggs to rise more than any other grocery item in 2022, according to Information Resources Incorporated. U.S. inventory of eggs were 29% lower in the final week of December 22 than at the beginning of 2022, according to the USDA. I don't know about you, but I have, I've certainly seen some empty shelves in the egg department, but mostly types of egg, the cheaper eggs going, and then the more expensive eggs people probably reluctantly buy. But I've not been to a Costco where I have not been able to get eggs, you know, in the three, what is it, the three dozen carton thing that they had, the little plastic three dozen carton thing. It's always in stock and it's, it's like the price, just a little bit more of a price than a, a dozen eggs. I highly recommend if you need eggs, go to Costco. But you look at this situation, there's no egg shortage. There's no eggs missing. You can get all the eggs you want. It's a. Fa- it's not the avian flu. Oh, they always have something to... The avian flu, which was caused by the invasion of Ukraine. 
which was caused by the Republican takeover of the House of Representatives. Just uh, they got the, the Russians got the jump on it a year earlier. They will not take responsibility for anything. So they just tell you, skip the meal. Skip the meal. Frozen non-carbonated drinks and juices, a category that includes frozen orange juice, rose by 1.5% in January from a month earlier, and the 12.4% annual increase is the highest in over a decade. Sure sounds to me like inflation is going gangbusters, right? Doesn't it? But to hear the leftists in the White House, and over MSNBC mostly, spin it, inflation is slowing down, even though inflation was higher than expected. I always tell you that the economists are the the worst predictors of anything ever, because you've never heard the phrase, economists nailed their predictions, because they just don't. Inflation, uh, CNBC story here. Inflation turned higher to start 2023 as rising shelter, gas, and fuel prices took their toll on consumers, the Labor Department reported Tuesday. The Consumer Price Index, which measures a broad basket of common goods and services, rose 0.5% in January, which translated to an annual gain of 6.4%. Economists surveyed by Dow Jones had been looking for a respective increase of 0.4% and 6.2%. Excluding volatile food and energy. Yeah, excluding. You gotta love that. They take that, excluding the things that human beings need to live. The consumer price index increased 0.4% monthly and 5.6% from a year ago against respective estimates of 0.3% and 5.5%. See, this is the kind of, I realize you're sitting there and you're going, numbers, what are you doing, Derek? I don't know. This is just to illustrate what I mean, that if you control the unit of measure, you control everything. The White House can pick and choose. They put out 16 different sets of numbers that are designed to confuse you. They get to highlight whichever ones they believe they can spin the best to their advantage and then just roll with it. And you're left there sitting there going, I I don't know what happened. You're telling me I don't know how good I've got it. And yet I can't afford to fill up my car. Now, it's kind of funny to listen to these people talk. We have Celia Rouse. Celia Rouse in this clip, she is the uh, head of the Council of Economic Advisors to President Joe Biden. I imagine that is a lot like trying to teach a monkey to do calculus. Just sits there and goes, it's got all the tools. It's got the brain. It's got the opposable thumb to pick up the pen. It can work a calculator technically, but it's just a major disconnect between having all the tools there and the ability behind those vacant eyes. And Joe Biden has vacant eyes. Celia Rouse is talking on MSNBC. I got to give credit to MSNBC. I uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but whatever. He doesn't deserve that much credit. But he actually did. See, the White House people, they really only go on MSNBC. So occasionally when they ask some good questions, you're kind of taken aback. You're going, wait a second, is this really MSNBC? It's always MSNBC during the day. It's never MSNBC at night. Starting with Nicole Wallace on down, it's progressively dumber and angrier. 
But anyway, Celia Rouse, economic advisor to Joe Biden on inflation on MSNBC yesterday. Morning. What's your read on this inflation report? Well, this report suggests that we have an economy that is resilient, an economy where we see inflation continuing to ease with a labor market that remains robust. So what we learned today is that inflation year on year has come down for seven straight months in a row. Uh, the month on month increases uh, were at expectations. Uh, they were uh, they were stable. So it was the same year, month on month increase in terms of core inflation. We did see uh, an increase in headline inflation because gas prices increased in January compared to December. But we can already see in February that gas prices have declined. So we are we continue to see that inflation is showing signs of easing. As uh, Chair Powell has said, this is going to be a process. Inflation remains too high, but we're making the progress we need to see uh, in order to achieve the softish landing where the, the inflation comes down and the labor market remains robust. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of smoke blowing up your rear end there. I apologize. Get a colonoscopy because there was a lot of carcinogens being uh forced up your rear end uh, uh gas prices we've seen gas prices go up because of the invasion of did they did russia invade ukraine again in december or january or what is that what happened did i miss a memo like i granted i don't watch the nightly news most nights but my god i, I i'm pretty sure i would have heard that russia pulled out let oil supplies normalize again really quickly and then just said psych and ran back into ukraine it's amazing to me that these people can live with themselves. It's really sort of sad commentary on, I'd imagine, their parents. But that's what they are. That's what they do. That's how they work. Oh, uh, everything else is good. It See, she's blaming the bulk of, she's blaming the inflation being higher on gas prices, which she's blaming on Russia, which they'd already taken credit for lowering gas prices, remember. But it is food. That is up the most. They're also simultaneously telling you you skip breakfast and don't worry about the price of eggs, etc., etc. It can't be both. It can't be both, can it? It can't be one of them, I suppose. It can't be this Russia garbage and it's just the price of gas. Because while gas was up a little bit in January, it wasn't up that much. Eggs went up more than gas did in January. Frozen drinks went up. Breakfast cereal increased more than, uh, modestly in January from a month earlier, just 0.4%. So congratulations if you're eating your fruity pebbles right now. But they'll never stop lying to you, ladies and gentlemen. Celia Rouse wasn't done lying the host, I can't remember the guy's name. I can picture him, but whatever. A sketch wouldn't do you any good. He actually circles back with a pretty pretty good question. Pretty good follow-up to that one. Because she just lied left and right. What do you read on the um, prices continuing to rise again? On that specific issue? Well, so inflation is when prices are rising. So that we understand that inflation is too high. But if we look at inflation uh, in January, which was overall 6.4%, that's in contrast to 9.1% last June. So inflation, the rate of change of prices has come down. 
we know if we look at the, the headline inflation, as you pointed out, as I pointed out, the gasoline prices had accelerated in January. We know that they're easing in February. They are volatile. That's largely a result of the war in Ukraine uh, and other global events. If we look at food prices that you pointed out, the food at home, grocery prices actually decelerated some month last month. The increases were uh, at food away from home in restaurants. So if we look at grocery prices, yes, the, the price of eggs increased, but at a slower rate than they did last month. That's largely due to the avian flu. Uh, when the USDA looks at more granular data for this month, we can see that wholesale prices for eggs are starting to come down. We expect to see that in February's report. So we know that this is the transition is going to be somewhat yeah. bumpy, but we're seeing signs that inflation is starting to ease. Now, the way she's doing it, again, control the unit of measure, control everything. It's not as bad as it was at its peak. So your alcoholic father putting Paul Mall cigarettes out on your forearm back in the month of July put out uh, a full pack of 20 on your arm. But this month he's down to only nine. Don't you feel like a lucky boy? Hmm. Of course, you've still got the increases. The It's year over year. You've still got the increase year over year of 6.5%. And that's on top of the 9.1% from six months ago. These are added on top of each other like blocks. It's not as though, well, it was prices were up 9.1% over the summer. Now they're only up 6.4%. Therefore, prices are actually down 3%. No. The, they're still increasing. They're just increasing more slowly. They're not explaining that to you because they don't want you to know. They think you don't know, and maybe some people simply don't care. But what they're ultimately trying to do is to convince you that you don't know how good you've got it, which is a hell of an argument to have to make. It works on some people. It works on a good 40% of the population blindly go, you know what, these democratic economic policies are wonderful. But the rest of us are sitting there in the ones that have to pay for it. If we could just maybe pass a stupid tax then it would be fair. Democrats are interested in fairness, aren't they? So the ultimate conclusion of the Wall Street Journal piece, by the way, is breakfast lovers might be better off just having a cup of coffee. But go with roasted, not instant. Prices for roasted coffee declined by 0.1% last month, but instant coffee rose by 3.6%. Monthly increases for... Why the... But, but instant coffee rose by 3.6% monthly increases for instant coffee. Apparently, the editors don't read all the way to the end of the Wall Street Journal articles that they approve. But yeah, the answer from the left is simply, look, food prices are really gone up. Putin's fault, uh, Republicans' fault, uh, Joe Biden is fixing it. Whenever they go down, it'll be because of Joe Biden. But uh, shut up and just take your medicine. Now, it's really kind of funny. If you believe that these people in the White House had any positive impact on lowering the cost of gasoline, um, the real question now that gasoline is back up is, well, why don't you just do what you did before? Why don't you wave the magic wand that you had in your back pocket? Why don't you just, well, uh, can't really do it. No, because they didn't. They didn't have anything to do with it. They drained the strategic petroleum reserves down to like a third of what is necessary, what is needed for our own national security, all for the glory of dear senile leader. 
They don't have enough in there to flood the market. And even though it didn't work anyway, because it's all based on the future, it's it's pathetic, not surprising. And they're just sitting there going, well, compared to it at its worst. Well, that's great. You know, it's like getting shot five times. And well, we've we've sewn up three of them. I know you're bleeding and out from the other two, but, you know, you're uh, you're three fifths of the way better. Right. Quit complaining. We'll get around to the other two. They're not that. Just keep your fingers in them. I'm sure it'll work out. Ah, uh, Democrats. You imagine trying to be and actually being them. What what's what must that be like? I'd imagine you'd have to shower constantly if you have a conscience. Maybe they don't. I don't know. All right. Enough about uh, economy, and let us talk about. Oh, geez, where do you want to go? Well, you know what? You know, one more clip about the economy, because I did cut up Karine Jean-Pierre. She's so historic. Karine Jean-Pierre asking about the declining real wages, because real wages have declined. Now, what do you mean by that, Derek? Well, Democrats will tell you wages are up. Democrats, wages are up compared to itself. Again, it goes back to you control the unit of measure. You control everything. If last year you were paid... $100,000 just using round numbers. And this year you got a 10% raise. So you're making $110,000. You are making $10,000 more than you did last year. Congratulations. If you uh, will just pretend for these purposes that you're, you're living paycheck to paycheck. Your expenses were $100,000 last year. But thanks to inflation, your expenses are $120,000 this year. You have gotten a $10,000 raise, but ultimately you are $10,000 short of being able to afford to live. You are operating at a $10,000 per year loss because things have gotten more expensive than your raise covered. You are op it's, that's bad for you, obviously. But Democrats want you to ignore the second part of the equation. They want you to ignore inflation and just focus on the fact that you got a raise. It's kind of like your friend who wants you to be wildly irresponsible. And I say this as somebody who was that friend who wanted you to be wildly irresponsible. There wasn't a, I don't know if there was a final or a test that my friend George took in college where I didn't badger him into going out drinking the night before most times successfully and he's still great the guy's done really well for he's a doctor now so you know he was smart he, I, I saved him from wasting a whole bunch of time studying he, he he was smart enough to get by on his own but it's that kind of mentality the uh they're trying to get don't worry about what things cost worry about what you're making well if you're making more but really your buying power is less if you only focus on the making more you're doing better you're doing a lot better but in reality you're doing worse you're doing much worse and um, democrats want you to focus on that and that is what karen jean pierre does here she basically ignores the decline in real wages and buying power of the American people to try and tell everybody, again, it's a tough sell, but when you've got the entire media on your side, 
it gets a little easier that you simply don't know how good you've got it. Administration officials have said growing real wages is an important marker for the economy. How do you view the setback in today's numbers? So a couple of things. I do want to say that uh, what we have said many times is that we believe that the president's, um, the president's economic plan is indeed working, and it's giving people a little breathing room. You heard me say this at the top, how, the, how we have seen, uh, um, you know, how we have seen um, the plan actually working. We see, we're seeing inflation moderate uh, just a bit, uh, as we've seen the last couple of months, and that is important. And the way that we see things moving forward, we believe uh, that it is uh, uh, that is important to continue to work, to, fin to finish the work that the president has started. And that's what you heard from him uh, very uh, explicitly uh, just, uh, just a couple of days ago. She is so monumentally bad at her job. She is so wildly ignorant about the matters on which she speaks that you sit there and you just, you, you forget. I mean, granted, maybe it's a strategy. If it's a strategy, kudos, it works. Because by the end of her talk, you're like, what the hell are we talking about? And all your brain can say is just make her shut up. Just make her stop. Enough already. My God, enough. Please, for the love of God, make this noise stop. Yeah, no, you, you, well, we've really, we're seeing it. We're giving people a little bit of breathing room. I just explained to you how that is not, in fact, happening. That inflation is significantly higher and has been all year than wage growth, which means everybody who did not get a raise that is greater than the inflation rate is operating at a loss. And we're giving you breathing room. You're not giving anybody breathing room. They're full of it. They're just... But when you got the White House chief economic advisor out there saying basically the same thing, just you know, able to do so in a coherent sentence and not sound like a complete moron, uh, you look at uniformity of message. What's amazing to me is that nobody in that press briefing said, what the hell are you talking about? That's not remotely true. Not a single person. Yeah, Ducey just had a kid, so he's not in there anymore. But whoever's taken his seat for Fox might want to, I don't know, brush up on Economics 101, or actually Economics 098, pre-101. Anyway, I guess you can't expect much when you've got a president of the United States out there. I want to play you this clip. He, some days he's with it, sometimes he's not. I can tell you this. My father is 80 years old. He takes a bunch of medicine. He's got blood pressure issues and pain, although I don't think he takes anything for the knee pain. He's got no cartilage in his knees. It's bone on bone. But he has issues sleeping, or he did. He's, thankfully, he's sleeping a lot better. But they've had to adjust various medicines that he takes. I don't even know the extent of it. One time I had a list of it, and it was, it was long. Um, when I took him to the hospital when we gave him covid I had a list of his medicines. Um, he, uh, that when they shift up his medicines, like he's got to take something else and that interacts poorly with his blood pressure medicine or whatever. And so they, they weaned him off some of the blood pressure because sometimes his blood pressure was too low. So they're, they're adjusting all of this and they gave him new medicines. And quite frankly, it was, it was scary. 
because these interactions, these as you're weaning off of one medicine, and it's nothing against the medicines. The medicines do their jobs. You're weaning off one medicine and you're putting them on another one. There are interactions that happen. Your body's got this stuff floating around in it for a while that cause you to, I don't know, sleep worse or be groggy, have no energy. If you can't, if you're not sleeping for more than two hours at night, you're groggy and half asleep and falling asleep in the chair in the daytime. And when I talked to my dad during this time, because he switched a couple, he's had to switch a couple of times his medicine. He sounds kind of drunk. He sounds very low energy. And you sit there and you, and I call my sister and go like, is he okay? I'm like, yeah, no, it's just the, say it's the, the medicine they're switching. Cause it sounds like, geez, what's going on here with dad? He's, he, He's, he'll talk like this and it'll be very slow and sometimes he's not really responsive and, and he'll forget what he's doing and, and you're like, oh, geez. But then like two weeks or a week later, it's he's back. And like, oh, okay, good, good. Joe, on a lot of occasions, reminds me of that, except that he reminds me of that multiple times a week sometimes you get joe like he just did a bump of cocaine with hunter off stage and he's out there he's like yeah let's go let's do this when he was at the state of the union address he had those doll's eyes those dilated pupils that nothing stare and no whites of his eyes seemingly like whoa uh that's what he does when he has to be awake past i don't know seven o'clock they pump him up with god knows what but other times during the day, he will talk like, it's not his whisper, it's not his whisper, he'll talk like this, and he'll say things that he normally would have yelled, because he, Democrats, for some reason, Hillary Clinton did this all the time, and Joe Biden does this, they mistake volume for passion, they mistake volume for, so Hillary will just talk like this, or Joe will start yelling, Show me one leader who changed places with with, uh, Xi Jinping. Well, lots of them probably would. But every totalitarian regime in a smaller country, they definitely would. Some of the European leaders probably would. You might on certain days, Joe. Wouldn't surprise me. If you thought you could make money off of it for for your brother and your kid. But yesterday was one of those down days where they switched his medicine, seemingly. So he's talking about, and I got a couple of clips, but the first one I'm going to play you is him talking about oil companies not investing. Listen to what he says, but also listen to how he says it and tell me that this is, he's either, I don't know, dragging his ass in the middle of the day, because this is the middle of the day, or he is, they're just trying another cocktail of drugs on him and considering that they don't i think he didn't he skip his physical this year allegedly and he's supposedly uh in perfect health but then he meets with doctors and they don't tell us what it's about so maybe they're mixing up his medicines who the hell knows but this is not normal this is not good this is not healthy this level of energy on top of the stupid things that he says because in the middle of it he admits that uh, he's trying to ruin the oil industry and realistically they shouldn't invest in what he wants middle of an energy crisis because they bought back their stock 
and they're not investing in refineries, repairing them or maintaining them. Now, they're saying, and that's a legitimate argument they make, they say, Biden, you want to go all, uh, you, you want to go green, and in 10 years we won't need this. Well, guess what? We're going to need oil for a long time, gas for a long time. It's not going to go all go away. But look at all the refineries that are closed, because they're not investing in the nature of the business they're involved in, is one example. They're not investing. They're not doing this. Well, they, they say that I want to shut down their industry, and they do have a point. Yeah, because you've said they're quoting you back to you. They're saying that they don't want to do... Well, companies... In, look, they can't just stick a straw in the ground and start sucking up oil. It's not like old Jed Clampett. You go shoot off in the woods, shooting at some food, and up from the ground come a bubbling crude. I'm pretty sure if a shotgun blast could cause oil to come gurgling from the earth, somebody would have fallen through that thin crust of dirt into the pit of oil below and been a millionaire or dead long before then. You have to drill. You have to spend money to drill. You have to spend money to get the equipment down there. You have to spend money to fight the environmentalist fascist army that you guys have unleashed, Joe Biden. So that will take time and money and time and money. And you could take five, ten years before you get not only the oil out of the ground, but then the ability to transport that oil through, say, a pipeline. And can you think of anybody who might have taken a pipeline that would have been really good to transport oil through to places where it could be refined, who then came in and said, nope, we're going to stop this and shut it down. Oh yeah, that would be you, Joe Biden. Why would anybody trust you on anything? You shouldn't. No one should. Ever. So this is the president of the United States. This is the garbage that he spews. This is what he thinks. Go ahead and invest. Well, it'll take 10 years. You want to shut us down in 10 years. Yeah, but uh, it'll help me politically because gas prices are priced on the futures market. Well, Joe, the futures market isn't just... Uh, what oil companies say they're going to do. They factor in what politicians say they're going to do. So the futures market will not go, oh, great, there's a whole bunch of oil coming into the market in the next few years that they know full well will not be coming to the market in the next few years because of the politicians. You see how that works? I'm sorry to wake you, Joe, but reality has a funny way of doing such things. I want to uh, do just a little bit of follow-up on something I touched on yesterday about Maryland's new governor, Westmore and how the media is just hyping the hell out of this guy because he's black. That's it. That's his own. That's his only accomplishment in their eyes. A Democrat getting elected in Maryland is not an accomplishment. It's because he's black. And oh, he's just like Barack Obama. What are you saying that all black Democrats look alike? So just to give you a taste of how they are sucking up to this guy, I want to read you from this Time magazine. Profile, where Westmore comes from. And imagine any Republican ever getting this kind of suck-up treatment from from the media at all. Patriots, Westmore says, pausing for effect. The room falls silent. The slot machines in the lobby are quiet. I'm thankful that I'm in a room full of people who understand what that word means, end quote. About 80 military veterans sit at plastic cloth tables. 
in front of a bar topped with metal buckets of Coors Light. It's a chilly January night at an American Legion Hall on a Maryland's eastern shore. Moore is wearing a tie but no jacket, his bald head gleaming under the fluorescent lights. In a few days, the 44-year-old will be sworn in as Maryland's first black governor. Now, I was under the impression he was being sworn in as Maryland's governor. I didn't realize we had a separate, is this like the black national anthem? We have separate, is there a white Maryland governor too? He'll be sworn in as Maryland's first black governor. God, these people don't even realize what they're doing. The third elected in American history and and the only one currently serving. Tonight, he has come to this mostly red, mostly white swath of an otherwise very blue, very black state to connect with his soon-to-be constituents. Quote, patriotism is not waving a flag around. Patriotism is not telling your neighbors that we are better than them. Patriots, this is our time to get this right. Forgive me if I don't necessarily take my lead in patriotism from a guy who made a fortune allegedly helping the poor. Not too many poor people were helped, unless you count Wes Moore, who wasn't poor to begin with either at the time. So, excuse me if I don't uh, sit there and uh, care about this. So you got to love this. you got to love this. By the way, uh, Maryland, I love the, the way that they do this. this. This state, he's the first black. It's very blue, very black state. Very black state. It's written by Molly Ball, who's as white as the wind-driven snow, so you can see why it would make her uncomfortable. But it's weird how it's always the leftists who notice this thing. They are the bouncers at the door making sure you don't go over fire code but instead their clicker doesn't keep the total amount they have a clicker for each configuration of human being and that's all they care about unless somebody who's a certain configuration of human being that they favor normally thinks for themselves thinks differently and then suddenly they are the enemy moore's theme is both a product and a through line of a remarkable biography can you imagine Anything like this written about Ron DeSantis in Time magazine? It's all, this fat white guy wants to get rid of black history. He wants to get rid of all black people. He wants to get rid of gay people. That's Time magazine on Ron DeSantis. But on Wes Moore, oh my God, it's a remarkable biography. Growing up fatherless and surrounded by violence. You know what? Sadly, thanks to Democrat policies, that's not remarkable at all. That's the norm. He turned his life around. Well, no, he didn't turn his life around. His life would have had to have been in the wrong direction. See, while you hear these glowing, butt-kissing, slurping, really, nonstop loving profiles of someone like Wes Moore, do you, have you ever seen anything like this, this flowery, this gross, this devoid of any journalistic integrity written about Ben Carson, for example. Maybe you did before he hit the national stage. Maybe you did before he spoke at the National Prayer Breakfast and blasted Obama for ruining health care. Maybe. 
Maybe. But that would have only been local. That would have been it. Now it's, uh, yeah, he he's uh, kind of a sellout. He's a bit of an Uncle Tom, that, that Ben Carson, let's be honest. That's the undertone and the subtext of everything written about the man now. But instead, it's just a remarkable biography. He turned his life around, graduated Phi Beta Kappa from John Hopkins University, won a Rhodes Scholarship to Oxford. Is there a Rhodes Scholarship to someplace else? He's a decorated Army combat veteran, a best-selling author of inspirational memoirs, and a former Wall Street banker, small businessman, and nonprofit CEO. Oh, oh, oh. Love the way that he just gloss over. If this were a Republican, let's take a look at what he did on Wall Street. Wall Street bankers are notorious for exploiting minorities, for taking advantage of the downtrodden. Oh, and these non-profit, the CEO of the non-profit, what CEO, what non-profit, what did that non-profit do? Turns out, next to nothing. Except pay Westmore millions of dollars. Other than that, nothing. Oh, man, but it's just non-stop butt-kissing, because this is how that paragraph ends. Just weeks into his first term in elected office, he is widely considered the Democrats' most talented political newcomer since Barack Obama. Mm, 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 mm. You need to mop up an aisle five because Molly Ball is slobbering all over the place. Headlines already speculate that he'll be the second black president. It's amazing. These people write these headlines and they go, look at what the headlines are saying. We should report on what the headlines we write are saying, huh? The party's leading figures clamor to associate themselves with him. President Biden held a rally with him right before the November election. And Obama himself cut an ad on Moore's behalf. Ooh. They don't tell you that Obama himself cut probably 50 ads for people across the country. It's all because he's just, just such a gifted, gifted and talented person. And that Joe Biden made no difference whatsoever. Joe Biden was sent to Maryland because it was a place he could do the least amount of damage. They don't care. Representative Steny Hoyer, the former House Majority Leader, puts more in a category with Obama, Bill Clinton, and John F. Kennedy. John F. Kennedy would not be allowed in the Democratic Party. Bill Clinton barely is, and it's not just because of his raping habits. They clearly don't have a problem with that. They'll use him to fundraise. But because he wasn't a left-wing nut job the way these people are, Quote, Wes lifts people up from their cynicism into their optimism and gives them a sense of the possible. Have you ever heard that from Wes Moore? It's just uh, this country sucks. We're going to make everything more fair. We got to make everything is if you're sitting there saying you got to make things more fair. Implicit in that is things are unfair. It's a bit of a bigot, but he's a Democrat. Every Democrat's a bit of a bigot. Then you go to this, the Baltimore Sun. Maryland Governor Westmore promised to give Latinos power in his administration. Here's where things stand. Told you about the racial gatekeepers at the door with the clickers? That's who these people are. Democrats. Last November, Democrat State Delegate Joselyn A. Peña Melnick said she'd never seen a candidate as dedicated to engaging Latino voters as her party's gubernatorial nominee, Westmore. How? Why? What do you do? Nothing. He's a Democrat. That's what Democrats say. 
As the Moore administration takes shape, her enthusiasm over the inclusion of Latino voices is evident. Quote, the cabinet is very diverse, and you can see that he has been very intentional about it, which is really wonderful and a great example for many other people to follow, Peña Melnick said. I know that this transition team has emphasized bringing our community to the table, every community to the table. How can you tell somebody's a racist? They refer to people as either my people or my community. That's just how it is. They're bigoted in any way. It's the same thing, gay. They just, it's the gay community. Really? The gay com- The community used to mean neighborhood. Now it means, I don't know, skin color. Democrats, George Wallace, man, segregation now, segregation forever. They weren't kidding. They just changed their tactics. Uh, Peña Melnick, who represents part of Anne Arundel and Prince George's counties, is also vice chair of the Maryland Legislative Latino Caucus. Why? Because you've got to continue to segregate Democrats. You cannot control other people if you do not pretend to buy into the bigoted lies you're selling everybody else. Oh, I care deeply about where I'm, I'm a part of the Latino Caucus. And then when the doors are closed, all the Democrats of all different configurations sit around and laugh, going, can you believe these suckers fall for this stuff? <laughs> she said in November that Moore planned to appoint Latinos to both his transition team and his cabinet. It seems he's delivered on that front. Imagine how, con- don't worry, I'll appoint Latinos, he says, patting her on the head and giving her a lollipop. And she goes, oh, that's great. I'm super excited now. What Moore did not promise to do was appoint people who were qualified for the positions. He was going to pick them based on skin color. On uh, January 12th, the Moore transition team announced two key appointments. Dr. Laura Herrera-Scott, who is Puerto Rican, as Secretary of Health. God, I'd feel dirty writing this if I were the reporter. And Rafael Lopez, who is the first-generation Mexican-American as Secretary of Human Services. Both are serving as acting secretaries as they await confirmation by the Senate. Well, why is the Senate so bigoted against Latinos that they have not confirmed these fine human beings? You can tell they're fine human beings because the demography that they represent suits Democrats' racist purposes. And that's all you really need. Uh, Its Executive Nominations Committee recommended Wednesday that the Senate confirm Herrera Scott. Lopez is in a group of nominees that the committee will consider at a meeting on Monday. Herrera Scott would be the first Latino to hold her position, she said. Lopez would replace Lourdes Padilla, who was born in Puerto Rico, as Secretary of Human Services. Now, you love that. Oh, it's, you're the first person in a, of this in a, in a cabinet. Oh, now you're the first person of this in this particular cabinet seat. Oh, you're the second person. You're the third person. This is all a bunch of racist crap. You want to know why it is the left is obsessed with race? It's because of this. It's because this stuff works. There is a, a group of people out there who are so indoctrinated with critical race theory crap through their education or through their just simple desire to be victims since it's currency on the left, that they sit there and they listen to this. They've got their little scorecard. You know, my grandma used to sit at home and listen to Tigers games on the radio and keep score. And she'd watch them on TV too, but she actually preferred the radio because Ernie Harwell was awesome. 
She would sit there and have a scorebook and keep score of the Tigers games. That's what Democrats do when it comes to race. We got this one and we got one of this one and we got another one of this one. And believe it or not, it's not just Whitey that's negatively impacted. If the most qualified candidate for a position is of a different minority skin tone, but a promise had been made that a certain type of human being would be appointed to various positions, then that person gets screwed out of it. If the most qualified person doesn't get it, they have been screwed out of it, no matter what color they are, no matter what ethnicity they are. This is the problem with the racial politics of the left. It is inherently bigoted. And it damages the people that it's supposed to serve. I don't know who these people are, if they're the most qualified. I can't imagine anybody picked on basis of their skin color is the most qualified. And realistically, the problem here is one of semantics. Democrats so desperately want credit for playing the racial politics game that they undercut their own nominees. They do damage. They do literal harm to their own nominees. Because like, well, it was, this person was only picked because of this irrelevant characteristic. Instead of saying, I will pick, this is what Joe Biden did with Ketanji Brown Jackson, whose name he can't remember. So I'm going to pick a black woman for the Supreme Court. All right, well, what if the most qualified jurist in the country at that moment was a trans man who's a drag queen on the weekends or somebody what if it was somebody who was hispanic not interested i need somebody who's black what if it was an asian you know there has not been an asian supreme court justice why do they not deserve some kind of representation well the problem with the asians is too many of them vote for republicans you know their families stay together and they focus on education they are not falling victim to the Democrats, have not fallen fully into the spider web of progressive politics from which it's difficult to escape. So if we don't get a monopolistic power over their vote, why well, we don't care. You notice it's really weird. Democrats occasionally pay lip service to, oh, stop Asian hate. Then you see a bunch of Democrats attacking Asians in the street, and they go, eh, but I mean, no, not all Asian hate. Let's not be, let's not be too hasty. Let's not condemn the people. It's a, uh, White supremacy that's causing all these black people to attack Asian people. Huh, okay, that's interesting. I'd like to read your newsletter. No, no, it's not a newsletter. Can't come up with 500 words to make sense on that thesis, but still, damn it. They pull all this crap when in real, reality, all they had to do is if he wanted to hire somebody based on their skin color because they want to pat themselves on the back because of how progressive they are or because they want credit for it. All you got to do is shut up about it beforehand. All right? You want to have a Hispanic member of your cabinet for whatever reason rather than the whatever. Is it running human service, the Secretary of Human Service? Here's what you do. You just appoint one. You don't say beforehand, I am going to search high and low and I'm going to have a lot of Hispanics in my uh, in my cabinet. And I'm going to appoint more Hispanics than anybody else. Okay, well, what about, what if somebody else is better? What if uh, what if an Indian guy is is really the better? No, 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 we can't do that. Not enough of a voting block here in the state of Maryland. They don't count. 
Not all lives matter. Let's not be crazy. When we said you can't say all lives matter, we were doing it for a dual purpose. One was the political expediency of the moment. The other was because we don't really believe that all lives matter unless they vote for us. But you cheapen the person. You cheapen the person. Is their doubt, is, is, is Laura Herrera Scott the best person for the job? I don't know. But I know that they're not focusing on how super qualified she is and how she's the best person for the job. They're focusing on she's Puerto Rican and she'll be the first Hispanic to be the Secretary of Health. Is Rafael Lopez the most qualified to be Secretary of Human Service? I don't know. Nobody's making that case. They don't need to make that case. Look at his skin color. It's cheapening it. Just shut your mouth and appoint people and say, we're assembling the best people possible. And then you've actually elevated people. You've actually might inspire some other people like Ben Carson did. He was the best pediatric neurosurgeon in the world. Not the best black pediatric neurosurgeon in the world. He was the best. He was also the best black one, but he was the best. There's no question about it. But he's not a Democrat, so he must be destroyed. And people who run around with short sleeves on expressly for the purpose of comparing their skin tone to the others for uh, political patronage, they're elevated. Sick people. All right. Well, while we're talking about Maryland, I want to go down to Montgomery County. <clears throat> Montgomery County schools. Montgomery County is just as far left as you can get. We escaped in a hot air balloon. Not that long ago from Montgomery County. We'd lived there for a few years. It is, uh, it'd be a great place to live if it weren't for the people. <laughs> I'm reminded of the, uh, the the line, the great line from Clerks, one of my favorite movies, where the guy's like, this would be great if it weren't for the bleeping customers. This job would be great if it weren't for the bleeping customers. And it's like, that's, that's the job. But it's true. If you've ever worked retail, if you've ever worked in a convenience store, you've ever done any any job where you had to interact with customers, you're like, God, the worst part of my day is interacting with the customers. But the customers, the people in Montgomery County, they're getting what they're paying for. They're leftists. They are committed leftists. A committed leftist puts leftism ahead of anything else and everything else. And that includes parents. This is a teacher in Montgomery County Public Schools. Montgomery County Public Schools, they have not commented on this at all, just so you know, because they don't want to. They probably have a policy in line with what this teacher is talking about. And it is of the belief, and we, it's in line with what the Biden administration did. If you're sticking the FBI on parents who go to school board meetings and point out the absurdities and the dangers of progressive policies and point out that, hey, you know, boys pretending to be girls in the locker rooms and in the bathrooms kind of lead to sexual assaults, things. If you don't have any standards, the people who suffer are the majority. The people who suffer are the normal people. The people who suffer are the people who are not insisting that gender is a fluid social construct. It's weird if you think about it. They say gender is a social construct. But gender is a so gender isn't real. Gender isn't a so is a social construct. 
And they say you only play with a Barbie because you're forced to play. Girls only play with Barbies because girls are forced to play with Barbies. You buy girls Barbies, and uh, that's why they're doing it. That's why they play with a Barbie. But then if a boy picks up a Barbie, they go, ooh, he's probably trans. Oh, wait a second. How is that if uh, gender is a social construct... And girls only play with these dolls because, not because girls like to play with dolls and boys like to play with action figures, but because society forces them to. Why if a boy picks it up or a girl climbs a tree? Oh, it must be the opposite. How can you tell that? Why is suddenly those activities don't mean anything. They're just forced to do it through society. But then when somebody of the opposite gender does one, it's like, ah, that's a clear indication. Clear indication that they're trans and we must immediately get them on puberty blockers. They're just this side of a zygote. What do you want to slice? You need a microscope to slice pieces of them off of it. What the hell are you talking about? Oh, it's in the name of gender justice. I wish I were kidding, but I'm not. Anyway, this teacher is whining about what's going on in our schools. She's not whining about any of these books. I'll tell you about these books in a second that are uh, that the governor of Florida is pointing out are in the Florida schools, libraries. But this is a uh, this is about gender identity and those evil conservatives not taking care of their children. You know, if you really want to talk about a marginalized community, look at any liberal enclave, any liberal stronghold like Montgomery County, hell, like the state of Maryland in general. And the truly marginalized people are the normal people, our conservative people, who ultimately just want to be left alone, but the left simply will not allow that to happen. Those are the truly marginalized people. But because we're dealing with a political movement that is not based in reality, you can't make that argument. I'll make that argument. I don't give a damn. But that's where they're coming from. So I want you to listen to this weirdo mutant wearing a hoodie, wearing rainbow glasses and a yellow knit cap inside. Turn up the heat, honey. Talking about how parental rights is fascism. God, you can't make this up. All right, we have to talk about this right-wing idea of parents' rights. It's literally just fascism. As far as I can tell, parents' rights means allowing parents to control their kids, even in ways that are harmful to their kids. Obviously, as an educator, I believe strongly in the importance of parents and families and other primary caregivers instilling morals and discipline and principles in their kids. I see educators' role as partnering with parents and other caregivers to form a collaborative support network for every child. However, some parents and caregivers unfortunately do not support their kids the way they should. That's part of why the public school system works with social services to make sure kids are taken care of. It's why schools work to connect parents with resources to help them learn how to support their children if and when they need the help. The fact of the matter is, parents and caregivers who reject their children's gender identities are not taking care of their children. Kids whose families refuse to affirm their child's true gender identity are at greatly increased risk of suicide attempts, self-harm, substance abuse, homelessness, low academic performance, and other serious mental health issues. Conservatives who claim that their real concern is parents' rights 
are just trying to use a family-friendly excuse for wanting trans people to not exist. <laughs> this, this, this chick looks, I don't know, about 15. She's probably 25, but she looks about 15. She sounds about 12. And mentally, she's most likely the southern side of seven. But she, you hear it there in that audio. Oh, they're doing this wrong. There, there are some people who just raise their children wrong. How many kids you got, honey? How many kids you got? Uh, just because your parents didn't love you doesn't mean that other parents don't love their kids. Quite frankly, I kind of in the, I'm on the team of your parents on that one, by the way. I can see why they probably rejected you. It has nothing to do with all the confusion you claim about uh, I'm non-binary or whatever, I think it has more to do with, my God, you're just an insufferable creature to be around. I don't care who you sleep with or what you do or how you dress. You just are a joyless human being. And maybe maybe your mental disorder is why the uh, self-harm rate is higher. Maybe that has something to do with it. But if you sit there and you go, parents... They don't raise their kids right. Children, parents, conservative parents who don't accept their kids. Oh, yeah, my kid has told me on several occasions that she's a unicorn. Should I then cut a hole in all of her hats to accommodate the horn that isn't there? Is that what I'm supposed to do? Or else I am not affirming my child's choices, my child's gender? This is how the left operates. This is the indoctrination. This is this is normal. And anything else, anything that does not conform to their wishes, their wills, their political agenda is harmful, is problematic. You see the dangers there? The absolutism. There's another group who spoke in absolutism all the time. They were called Nazis. They're actually called communists, too. They were called fascists, socialists, all these people that are responsible for 100 million deaths in the last century. They are back. They never really went away. They simply rebranded under the name of, well, they have always tried to claim it was compassion. But now you get racism in the name of celebrating diversity. It's insane. It's Orwellian. George Orwell is looking down at us and going, it was supposed to be a warning, not a guidebook. Montgomery County Schools has had nothing to say about this. Of course, Montgomery County Education, it said nothing about this, the Montgomery County Education Association. I'm sure this person is a union member in good standing. Meanwhile, just a look at what's going on in education. This part isn't exclusive to Montgomery County, but I guarantee you it is in Montgomery County. Jeremy Redfern, who is Deputy Press Secretary for Governor Ron DeSantis in Florida, they are attacking Ron DeSantis left and right, nonstop. Donald Trump is attacking him too, but this is from the left. Ron DeSantis is highlighting books that are found in public school libraries in the state of Florida. They're not being burned, as the left would tell you to. These school, these books have no business in there. Say, so, well, they're for children. Well, then parents can buy their books for the children. Amazon exists. No, That's what, uh, one of the biggest lies that the left tells us. Republicans are trying to ban books. Republicans are trying to ban books. No, they're not. We are saying that there are certain 
age appropriate books that do age inappropriate books that don't belong in schools. When I was in school, when I was in elementary school, the big book at the time that everybody fought over, and you had to have a wait list, you, you get it for like a week, and that was it. Everybody had to get it. I don't know why we just didn't buy copies of it, but probably because it was kind of expensive and we didn't really have many books in the house. But the book everybody wanted in elementary school was Where the Sidewalk Ends by Shel Silverstein. It was the drawings as well as the poems. And oh boy, howdy, when you had, it might have been a cousin, a second cousin or something, who actually had a copy of this book. So when we'd go to their house, it was a special occasion. We'd look at where the sidewalk ends. But otherwise, you had to wait. Getting where the sidewalk ends out of the school library was like winning the lottery. Nowadays, you walk into the school library, and on the end caps and on the displays, they have all this tranny stuff and all this race-based garbage, the stuff I've told you about from our local library that I've taken pictures of. And now down in Florida, Jeremy Redfern was tweeting out books that are in the Florida public school libraries. This one, it's a, right across the top, it says, Million copy bestseller newly revised and updated for ages 10 and up. Ages 10 and up. It's illustrated. It's entitled, It's Perfectly Normal. Changing Bodies, Growing Up, Sex, Gender, and sexual health. And right on the cover there, it's the United Colors of Benetton. And there are two girls kissing. Because why? Because it's perfectly normal. Okay, perfectly normal. Is it age appropriate for 10-year-olds? Okay, maybe you could say, well, that's just how it is. Well, no. And this may not be age appropriate. Be warned. This may offend you. If it does, good. You're paying attention. I'm not going to not say it because it might offend you. So chapter right there. Chapter page 16. Perfectly normal. Masturbation. Yeah. Some people think that masturbation is wrong or harmful. And some religions call masturbation a sin. But it cannot hurt you. And it does not result in pregnancy or in getting or passing on infections that are spread by sexual contact. Many people do it. I'm changing a lot of the masturbations because it's peppered throughout this. I'm changing it to just other words. Many people don't. Whether you do it or not is your choice. It is perfectly normal. When people masturbate, they usually... Uh, then it gets a little bit too graphic. Rub their this and that and the other thing and use a pillow and what have you. And, as if the words weren't bad enough, there are drawings. There's a woman, there's a man, or a boy and a girl. If it is uh, illegal, as it should be, to possess naked photographs in a sexual manner of children, shouldn't drawing children in a sexual manner also be problematic? At least put somebody on a list. But there they are, on the pages, in this book that bills itself for 10-year-olds. Oh, we're just getting started. Because then, what is sex? Chapter. And right there is the illustration. I'm not going to read you what they write. <sighs> well, it's, when, a, when a couple has sexual intercourse and does not want to make a baby, there are healthy ways called birth control that can help keep them from making a baby or passing on infection to one another. 
Sometimes a couple does not plan ahead or decide whether or not to have sexual intercourse. Planning ahead is most often the most effective way to keep a pregnancy from beginning. And then there's a drawing of two adults having sex. But then because this is the book that it is, there's a picture of two women having sex. And then there's a picture of two men having sex. For ages 10 and up. 10 and up. And then there's a nice illustration. All genders restroom. Everybody's welcome. Come on. Inclusive, gender neutral. Uh, Places that have signs that say all gender inclusive or gender neutral. That means that anyone, no matter what their gender, may use the bathroom. And there are schools that allow kids, no matter what their gender, to choose the team they want to play on. Some people feel that LGBTQ plus people should not have the right to marry. Many other people feel that they have always felt that LGBTQ people should have the right to marry. They are they now have that right on June and then they go into the Supreme Court decision. This, by the way, is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's talk about it. There's another book found in Florida school libraries. The Teen's Guide to Sex, Relationships, and Being Human. Another illustrated book. Now, I can't even describe to you some of these illustrations. When it com- This is from that book. When it comes to reproducing, the penis and vagina can fit together for, to form the ultimate baby-making machine. Let's take a peek right now and see how, and there is a drawing. There's a drawing. And to be super duper inclusive, not only are they different skin tones, but the man who's standing behind the woman has an artificial foot. See, they just hammer everything in there. And then there's a whole section on uh, other things that I cannot get into. Then there's gender queer that has illustrations of adult men performing oral sex on boys because it's perfectly normal it's perfectly normal and we're supposed to be telling people that or we're supposed to believe that this isn't grooming this isn't grooming somehow the hell is this not grooming this is at a minimum a dare (laughs) at a minimum a dare this is what's going on in our public schools it sure as hell isn't learning you know what I did is I looked up, where is this? I told you about the Baltimore schools that had nobody proficient in math. Nobody proficient in, there's just nobody proficient in math. And so I looked it up. And there's one story, Fox News, Baltimore parent, notice it's singular. Baltimore parent demands action after 23 schools report no math proficiency, colon, quote, systemically failing. All right. And there she is. God bless her. David, Davida Adel, Allen. She has a first grader in the city public school system. She demanded action from politicians after she found out from the media. She was on that story was on February 13th. Now, I was kind of curious because there is a big protest in Florida today, at least planned, protesting Ron DeSantis getting rid of or pointing out these 
ridiculous, racist, sexist grooming books for children in elementary schools and for not going with the uh, black studies, advanced black studies thing, with the black queer theory and all that kind of garbage and uh, straight up critical race theory would be taught to everybody, indoctrinated to everybody in Florida public schools. There's going to be a protest that. So I thought, hey, there's this one parent. That's the story. One parent was upset. Have there been any protests in Maryland, in Baltimore, about those 23 failing schools? Maybe. But I couldn't find a single news story about it. I couldn't find a single news story about it. The left will take to the streets of Tallahassee, Florida, to protest removal of pornographic books from elementary school libraries and not indoctrinating children into critical race theory garbage. But 23 schools have no one, no one, not a single person proficient in math. And nobody's going to take to the streets to that. No one even tweets about it, really, in the left-wing political establishment. Tells you something about their priorities, doesn't it? All right, so while the left is obsessing on getting things in there, they are going after Ron DeSantis. There is a big... The left is very upset. They know that the schools are the key battlegrounds. Yes, pop culture matters. Yes, music matters. TV matters. The streaming, movies, whatever. Those matter. You can change the culture. You can indoctrinate in those places fairly well. But nothing, nothing at all comes close to what you can do, how you can shape and warp minds, how you can groom children. Not even necessarily just sexual grooming, but grooming politically. Nothing comes close to that like the schools, like the education system. Those, sadly, you know, the position dictates sort of respect. You tell your kids, look, you should tell your kids, look, respect police officers, respect the uniform. Respect the presidency. If you don't even respect the president, at least respect the presidency. Respect your teachers. Your teachers. Because when we went to school, by and large, there were some exceptions, like the cocaine-dealing French teacher at my school, or the, I think it was a math, one other teacher, he was not below, he was below my level of math the whole time, so I never had him. He allegedly had a, a relationship with a student and disappeared. It just disappeared. I don't know what happened. That one, I didn't know the teacher. I didn't know of the teacher. And I didn't know anybody who had the teacher. So I didn't get the full gist of it. But the, the rumor was that. You hear about those things occasionally. Now you hear about them all the time. It's almost like a school. If your school hasn't had a teacher having sex with one of the students, just wait. They just haven't been discovered yet. Somehow it's weird when it's a man teacher, when it's a male teacher, again, in those, in circumstances like this, the left immediately remembers all their biology classes and going, oh yeah, no, the men did this, a man did this. I'm like, huh, that's, that's weird. 20 minutes ago, you didn't know what a man was. Now you have no doubt whatsoever what a man was and he's a monster and a predator. Okay, fair enough. But when a man does it, it is 
unbelievable, unconscionable, disgusting, gross. And I'm in agreement with that. Yes, it is all of those things. But when it's a female teacher, it is inappropriate. It's weird because the news stories, it's really mostly women. I don't know what the hell's going on with uh, the current generation's self-esteem fresh out of college and going into teaching. But there's something amiss about it. It's probably because they've been so conditioned by, like, and I'm not uptight, but like Grinder and all these other apps where it's like swipe right, swipe left. Yes, I want to have sex with you. No, I don't want to have sex with you. Yes, I'll have sex with you. And then somebody says, well, I want to have sex with you too. And you're basically, you know, you could go and have sex with them. That's got to do all sorts of things to your psyche and all kinds of things to your self-esteem. <laughs> no, nobody wants to talk to you, honey. Nobody wants to talk to you. I swiped right, not because I wanted to hear your thoughts on the Middle East situation or wonder what you would do with Ukraine, all right? Now just take your top off and let's get down to business. That's got to mess with you. And then you end up sort of treating people like that back and then treating people who weren't that person treating you like that way. That way, if your life becomes kind of transactional. And then if you're a subscriber to the if it feels good, do it mentality of the left, you just go, ah, well... Who cares? Let's, uh, you're 16, but you know, that's basically an adult and you're hot and you swiped right and I swiped right. Let's do this thing. But when it's a male teacher, it's all disgusting, rape, child rape, this unbelievable child molester, register as a sex offender for the rest of their lives in the media coverage. When it is a female teacher, it is, she had an inappropriate relationship with an underage student. Huh. Sometimes Democrats do fully remember what gender is. And they say, well, it's different for boys than it is for girls. Why is it different? Well, you, you tell us nonstop that there is no difference between boys and girls. There is, in fact, no boys and girls. So how can this be different for boys and girls? Well, you don't seem to understand. And I do understand. One sort of is your political constituency and the other isn't so you need women to be the victims until you need women to not be the victims right when women are the perps yeah, yeah let's not really talk about that there's always a really hot teacher where you're like well the guy kind of probably bragged about it to his friends okay the so what is that does that make child rape okay that somebody talked about it, like, yeah, give me a high five on that one. She's hot. Does that make it okay? Or do the laws matter? If the laws don't matter, just tell everybody. We need to know the field on which we're playing, don't we? We should. Anyway, the uh, the fight in Florida, let me get to that. The protest down there, again, not over Baltimore's 23 failing schools, not over incredibly graphic, disgusting, age-inappropriate, illustrated, graphically illustrated books. Hey, I, I've seen it. I can't unsee it. I recommend you check it out, but check my Twitter feed and you can see it for yourself. It's not that graphic, it's, but it's certainly more graphic than I wanted to see, and it's certainly more graphic than a 10-year-old should be getting access to. Playboy is less graphic. Just put it that way. But down in Florida, they're very, very upset. Very, very, very upset. That's not that these books exist. 
not that this mentality exists, but that Ron DeSantis is refusing to embrace the teaching of critical race theory, the indoctrinating of children down in Florida by getting rid of or forcing the changing of the AP course for African-American studies. Now, there's black history already there. It's already, it's separate. They are distinct and different. And that's what the left isn't explaining to you. That's where they try and conflate. He's trying to get rid of black history. No, 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 no. There are different things. Different things. Black history is this happened. This It's history. This happened. That is fully part of the AP curriculum in the state of Florida and across the country. What they were doing was creating a separate but equal course on black studies. Studies are different than history. Studies are that include critical race theory, that black people are victims and are incapable of being perps are in, and are incapable, quite frankly, of getting ahead and succeeding because of the systemic oppression in society. That you're either, either a victim or a perp, and if you're based on your skin color, you are one of these things. Black queer theory. I don't even know what black queer theory is, except for the fact that the left has their hierarchy, their slide rule of victimhood. And the more boxes you check, the higher up you rank. So if you're black and gay, boom, you're up toward the top. If you're also trans, on top of it, look out. You will be uh, at the top of the mountain for a very long time because you can really only check so many boxes on the way up. And they looked at that in Florida, and Ron DeSantis said, we're not going to get this crap in our schools. We're not interested. So they rejected it. Florida is a pretty big state. Lots of kids there in Florida. If they reject it, then other states would reject it. So the advanced placement people changed it and removed the critical race theory. Now, remember, it was, what, six months ago where Democrats were going, critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. Critical race, this is ridiculous. Critical race theory is not being taught in schools. And now they've argued critical race theory needs to be continued to be taught in schools. Wait a second, you told us it was never being taught in schools. Well, it's important, critically important, that it continue to be taught in schools. Well, that's a pretty neat trick for something that was never in schools, How do you continue something that never was? Were you maybe lying beforehand? So Jamil Bowie is a columnist for the New York Times. He appeared on, uh, it wasn't Rachel Maddow, the dude Rachel Maddow, Chris Hayes. Yeah, the transgender Rachel Maddow. They got, Rachel Maddow's only on one day a week, so I think they encourage Chris to look more and more like Rachel Maddow, and he complies. They both look like, a stoned beaker. They're both dumb as the day is long and lying frauds, but that's beside the point. Javel Bowie was on with Chris Hayes yesterday, and he's saying that uh, Ron DeSantis is only bringing all this stuff up. Only bringing up all this stuff, not because Ron DeSantis believes that poisoning the minds of children is a bad way to set about a future for a country, but because his economic policies are so wildly unpopular. Now, keep in mind that Ron DeSantis was just reelected two, three months ago in a St. Valentine's Day massacre for the ages, just a bludgeoning of the Democrats, and he led to a red wave across the entire state of Florida that destroyed Democrats. Now, Democrats, he won by like 20 points. It was ridiculous. It was unprecedented in the state of Florida. It turned Florida from purple to red, solidly 
red. That's how big the victory was. After four years of being governor and Jamel Bowie, highly paid opinion D-bag of the Washington Post will, or of the New York Times would tell you, no, 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 no. His economic policies are wildly unpopular while Florida enjoys record low unemployment and a booming economy. You can't make this stuff. You could. Nobody would believe you if you made this stuff up. So Ron DeSantis has clearly made himself kind of the nation's foremost conservative culture warrior. The attacks on education, laws like the Stop Woke Act, act uh, so on and so forth. And that's really how he's building his national brand as a politician, as a potential contender for the Republican presidential nomination in 2024. But I think that we have to understand that with DeSantis, he's also trying essentially to triangulate around, uh, downplay his most unpopular views, which have to do with the role of government, with the role of the social insurance state, Medicare, Social Security, Medicaid. Florida, for example, hasn't expanded its Medicaid program under the Affordable Care Act, leaving hundreds of thousands of Floridians without health insurance. DeSantis has written in his books and has said as a as a candidate for the House of Representatives that he would be interested in slashing Social Security, in re- restructuring Medicare, these sorts of things. These are very unpopular. These are so unpopular yep. that if people remember uh, President Trump, when he was a candidate, explicitly downplayed and said, I would not do that kind of thing. Thing. Uh, and I, although I do think the attacks on education, I think the attacks on LGBT people are very serious and must be responded to, encountered, dealt with. I think it's also important not to lose sight of the fact that DeSantis is playing a larger political game here, and it has everything to do with finding a way to appeal to voters without revealing a very radical economic agenda. A very radical economic agenda. Ron DeSantis is is so radical, in fact, that he has called for making sure that Social Security and Medicare are solvent going forward, addressing the fact that they have over $100 trillion in unfunded costs over the next 75 years, and that maybe, maybe you want to kind of, I don't know, Look into that. No, no, it's just radical, radical, radical. So all this stuff is just just a distraction from the shell game for his wildly unpopular uh, economic policy. Well, Florida, first of all, has record low unemployment. But if, if Florida's economy were so bad, they had a chance to throw him out, right? Nobody's going to go, I can't feed my family. I can't work. I can't eat. We're all dying. But... I do like the way that Ron DeSantis is going to make sure that boys don't beat up girls in sports in high school. No. Nobody's going to go, well, I'm going to vote for that anyway. If the other guy's going, I got a sandwich for you. These leftists, they live in their own little world. The problem is they don't stay there. I'd have no problem with them if they stayed there. Stay there. Stay in place. Instead... They don't. On Morning Joe this morning, a guy named Bishop Rudolph McKissick Jr. He's a black bishop down in Tallahassee, Florida. He's leading the protests. Not You would think, if you look at the guy's Twitter feed, it is nonstop left-wing propaganda. It's nonstop left-wing propaganda. So if he sees these, uh, these pornographic drawings of children engaging in sex with adults or whatever, he'd probably... I don't know, bookmark it, print it up for his grandkids or something. But he's leading the protest. He's not coming to Baltimore. He doesn't care about 23 schools where nobody can do basic math. He cares about Ron DeSantis because Ron DeSantis might run for president, really. 
But he's couching it under Ron DeSantis will not allow racist indoctrination of students in the state of Florida. He doesn't use those terms. I do, because he's a hack lying fraud, and I'm here telling you the truth. And Bishop, you're going to this protest today. What is what is the biggest message, the clearest line that you want to get across by going and attending? Well, we wanted to be very clear that we are not here just to make a statement, but we're here to affect a change. Governor DeSantis says they want education and not indoctrination. And we want to be very clear to not miss the forest because of the trees. This is not just about an AP course. This is also about his attempt to dilute uh, colleges and schools, teach diversity, equity, and inclusion. And it is our attempt to say, we will not allow you to redact our history, whitewash our history, because in doing that, you are left with nothing but a conservative consciousness and thought about black history, which in effect is indoctrination. So we're not the ones doing the indoctrinating. He is the one that's doing it. I am not the poopy head. You, in fact, are the poopy head. Well, I'm convinced, aren't you? I don't know how many people are going to show up at this guy's rally. I suspect it may be as high as 15. But I, I guess he'd probably use his church and his congregation to, to go and protest probably should lose his tax-exempt status, but that will never happen because he's favored by the left. But then he's doing the left's bidding. But don't you love that? And wiping out our history. I've already told you, it has absolutely nothing to do with history. Nothing to do with history. There is a separate black history course that already exists and is already embraced by the state of Florida. This is further. This is indoctrination. They don't want you to know that. They want to keep you ignorant. The good Bishop McKissick doesn't want people to know that because ignorant people do his bidding. Ignorant people vote the way Democrats want. You don't think they're still walking around money and Tammany Hall level corruption everywhere in the Democratic Party across this country? You have not been paying attention. All right, that's about enough for today, I think, ladies and gentlemen. Let's call it a day. I went on exceedingly long this afternoon or this morning or whatever. So I will now release you to go about your day. Have a great one. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. I appreciate the hell out of you listening. Tomorrow is also the Week in F and Review. Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or DerekHunter.Locals.com. I suspect some of this stuff will come up there. Talk about it the way. Maybe I'll go into graphic detail about these sickos. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>